0: More than 344,000 New Yorkers work in the city's retail stores. When the pandemic hit, their lives were completely upended.
1: The small businesses aren't able to pay their rent on time. They owe between five to six months.
2: As a mother myself, like, do I stay home or do I go to work? Do I stay home and help my child or care for my child? Or do I go to work risk myself? getting a disease that might terminate me.
1: This community is very resilient, you know, it's, uh, we work together here uh, in this neighborhood and people, they have faith.
0: Foot traffic in many of New York's key commercial corridors fell by over 90 percent at the height of the shutdown. While non-essential retail businesses reopened a few months later, cash registers were slow to recover. A year into the pandemic, many independent shops were still struggling to pay their rent, their utility bills, and even their employees. Not surprisingly, the stores hit hardest were in the neighborhoods with the lowest incomes, like those along Jerome Avenue in the Bronx. They suffered a second setback in June of 2020 when looting devastated some mom-and-pop businesses. But those retailers are persevering. It's what they've always done. I'm Steve Kastenbaum, host of New York Gritty, a podcast about the resiliency of New Yorkers in times of crisis.
2: Prioritized, not left over after everybody else got their money and after everybody else have been saved. Because when our community members need a place to go and a place to meet their friends and family members, it's the small businesses, it's not box stores that are keeping our community together. Thank you so much again for this event. The tonight.
0: stores, the business owners are give air that allow the rest of the community to breathe. Where is their support? They've been here to support and make generations and it is egregious that we have to come and beg for support now in a time of dire need the federal government can bail out major multinational
3: corporations where is our due all those businesses have problems with paying their rent the majority of them have applied for the ppp and they weren't able to get any type of assistance and if those that have gotten they have gotten very little small businesses that have been abandoned especially in this area here
4: we are here to fight for our investments in our small businesses which help us thrive here okay i am here because we need this investment now when do we need it now when do we need it right now. when do we need it 50 percent of employees in new york city are employed by small businesses. That number is greater in this community. We need to stand, we need to stand up for our small businesses, and we need to make sure that our voices are heard every single day.
0: The Bronx neighborhoods surrounding the Commercial District along Burnside and Jerome Avenues have experienced a lot of up and downs. In the 1970s, when New York City was facing its worst fiscal crisis since the Great Depression, They were among the areas that experienced a huge spike in crime, disinvestment, and abandonment. When coronavirus exploded across New York, this part of the Bronx was hard hit again. It had a high rate of cases and deaths per capita. Then, in June of 2020, as Black Lives Matter protests swept over the city, criminals saw their opportunity. 43 years after this area was the scene of destruction and chaos during the blackout of 1977, looters rampaged through retail stores here, destroying property and emptying shelves of everything from liquor to cell phones to sneakers and groceries. The next day, local community members took things into their own hands and helped store owners clean up the mess. Elected officials pitched in, including Bronx Borough President Ruben Diaz Jr.
3: What happened last night was not a protest. What happened last night was criminal. And what happened last night, we cannot tolerate. It is unacceptable. And we say no to it collectively. No more. No more. 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 Last night was a rough night. Last night was a rough night not just for the Bronx. Last night was a rough night for all of New York City. Last night was a tough night for law enforcement. Last night was a tough night for small businesses. Last night was a tough night for this community, but even more so last night, in my opinion, was a devastating blow to our pursuit of justice.
0: Mayor Bill de Blasio commended those who came out to help the small mom and pop business owners clean up and rebuild. These young people, this is their neighborhood and they are the future of the Bronx and they are the future of New York City. There are so many good young people in this city who I wanna tell, all of them, all the youth of New York City who care about your neighborhoods, care about the city, care about creating a better world, care about creating a more just world, thank you. Thank you to these young people in the Bronx who wanted to create something positive even in the midst of a crisis and a challenge they wanted to move their neighborhood forward. But moving forward hasn't been easy. The one-two punch of coronavirus and looting left many retail businesses on Jerome and Burnside Avenues struggling to stay afloat day after day.
4: My name is Pierina Sanchez, and I'm a founding steering committee member of the Jerome Avenue Revitalization Collaborative. I was born and raised in this community, and I am also running for city council here in District 14.
0: Tell us a little bit about this neighborhood, the social fabric of this neighborhood as it relates to New York City.
4: Yeah, so this is this is a community of strivers. We are strivers. We are a community that is almost 98% people of color of Latinx and afro afro-American and African descent of majority. We have a median income of $21,000 in this community and we're a, we're about, you know, 200,000 people living on this corridor. And so when we talk about the social fabric, that is what defines us, right? When you walk down any corridor, whether it's Burnside Avenue or Fordham or Kingsbridge, you hear music, you smell foods from different parts of the world. And that is really what, what makes us proud and what keeps us going is, is that, that tie, that connection to our immigrant roots and, and, the, and the passion to want to bring our families um, ahead, right? And, and to get ahead here in New York City
0: to live out the American dream, as they call it, right?
4: Exactly, to live out the American dream.
0: And that dream exists beneath this elevated subway line here on on Jerome Avenue and East Burnside Avenue. Uh, We hear the, the subway overhead and beneath are hundreds of small businesses. What do they mean to this community?
4: Our small businesses here are our backbone. Just in the, the little strip that we're on today, we have over 200 businesses everywhere from restaurants to salons, to pharmacies, to coffee shops, to bakeries. These small businesses are who we are, they're, they're our backbone. They employ so many people here in this community and without them, we wouldn't be who we are.
0: So what was life like for a small business owner here pre-pandemic, running a business is not an easy thing to do in New York.
4: Right. You know the, the, the reality is that you know the, the Bronx uh, is coming from an overwhelming history of disinvestment, of this this disinvestment from all levels of government and from the private sector, and that was true prior to the pandemic. Between 2012 and 2017, one fourth of Latino-owned businesses in the Bronx closed. Right. And so when you when you talk about how the pandemic has, has hit us, it's it's only exacerbated existing conditions. But what we still have, right, is that even, even while all of these businesses are closing, you have many businesses sprouting up in their place because Folks in this community, from different immigrant backgrounds, from the African American community, we are strivers, and and what you see is one business closes, another one pops up because we're entrepreneurial, and we we, we are we, we have this knack for wanting to be self-reliant and for opening these small businesses and giving it our all, and you know if it works out, great. Here we are, you know you have some, some small businesses here for 35, 40 years, and if not, you know the the next one comes and and tries their best.
0: So what impact? did the economic crisis of the pandemic have on those small business owners here over the course of more than a year?
4: Yeah. I mean, so so to, to start, you know, our business, our small businesses here experienced closures, forced closures mandated by the federal and state government, right, for, for safety reasons. And that, that was really, really difficult, right, because they had no way of, of making up their, their business. It's not like they have online options, you know. This, this community has 40% of our households, almost, that do not have access to an inter, a stable internet connection at home, right? We're talking about a, a very low-income community of strivers, and that translates to the, the options that our businesses have in serving and providing for this community. So closures meant closures is number one. And then number two, we we also had a, a, a very harsh episode of looting here uh, and unrest in June 1st of, of 2020, which caused many of the small businesses here to, to also close. You might still walk around and see stores boarded up. And, and all of this kind of coming together at the same time has meant that what we need more than anything else is a direct infusion of investment, is a direct the cat sat on the cash transfers to our small businesses to help them keep up keep up with rent and to help them to keep their employees uh, on board. But what we see instead is the opposite, right? We have the lowest rates of disbursements of PPP in the first round. We continue to be in the top 10, actually the bottom 10 uh, zip codes in, uh, in, in the city of New York in terms of receiving PPP disbursements. And that gets replicated across all the loan products and all the grant programs that have been made available to small businesses. They are not getting here to 104.53 and 104.68.
0: PPP being the aid, the direct aid from the federal government to small business owners but it's not being dispersed equitably is what you're saying.
4: That's right. That's right. We are not getting it and I personally uh, along with other members of the Jerome Avenue Collaborative, I've walked these corridors up and down and up and down and I and I will literally walk in and I'll say, "Hey, do you know about this thing?" and they'll tell me no. And then we'll sit there on the computer and we'll we'll look up these forms and they'll say, "Oh, wait, I don't have I don't have a statement of cash flow. I don't have this, I don't have that." Right? And so there's all these barriers that they face in addition to not having the information. There's all these barriers that our small businesses face and that there is a need for professionalization. There's a need for support for that professionalization here so that we can access resources.
3: Once again, we prove how important with this, small bodegas they are, or the bodegas are and the small business for the community. While the city shut down, we stay open. We risk our life, our health, to give a service to our community. And this uh, neighborhood, it was um, where the, the virus hit the most. A lot of people, they die, a lot of people, they get sick. And we stay open, giving the service, making delivery. That's why we, we bring the people, especially the elderly people, that they, they was afraid to come outside. So bring the, the service to, the, to, to their apartment. My name is Francisco Marte from Bodega and Small Business Association. So the bodegas were a literal lifeline for the people who live here. Yeah, it is. It is. The bodega is a lifeline for, for this community, especially the um, low income community. Thus, we are very important. The bodegas, they are very important for their supplies. Tell me about the financial struggle
0: that a typical bodega owner is facing right now. And what's it going to take to keep
3: them open and survive this? Very tough. We are facing a tough challenger uh, to stay open. We haven't get, some bodega has get the PPP, but some other no. Because you know, remember that we are a small business, sometimes we don't, we don't have the organize how it should be, but we don't, we... You don't keep the books the way it is required in order to apply for those loans. Exactly. That's one. exactly. And that has to be election for us. We don't know how the government works, and we need people who can teach our, our, um, how we got to keep that. That's why I be asking to, them, to the leaders, uh, elected leaders, to teach them how to, to have everything in order so we can have access to the, to the funds that is there. But we they, don't they, know. they need some business literacy. Education is what you're saying. Exactly. So, well, that's what we need. Um, in order for us to stay open, We will need them to understand the situation so we can get some help for the range, for survival to stay open.
2: As you can see, there's many stores that close. Like just look around, like this restaurant is a very popular restaurant. So it's gonna take a while. It's gonna take a while. The turnaround will not be fast. It's definitely gonna take a while my name is stephanie afoom i work with eddie's place african market i'm one of the owners and we're located on 167th street in jerome and just to let you know that we are suffering you know even though we are essential business it's just hard we don't get as many customers as we have in the past although we're still getting clientele our employees are calling out because they have to stay home with their children, you know, they have to stay home with their children with this online um, learning. It's just, it's a struggle. Just keeping afloat, keeping our doors open because we're not there. I have a child myself and, you know, I'm afraid to send him off to daycare because I'm like, he might come home with something. He might give it to us, you know, his parents. It's just hard. I, I understand that the government is trying to help us. We just need, a helping hand, even to our, for our employees, they need to get something. This stimulus check, I think we got 1,200, 600, another 1,400. It's not enough. I don't know if he needs to give us as businesses or just give out to each and every individual on a monthly basis. I mean, like, because we're individuals and in our, in ourselves as business owner. maybe we should shut our doors and stay home, but how can we eat? How can we survive? We need to work as a group. He needs to the government itself needs to come down and see our day-to-day struggle.
0: When I hear stories from business owners like yourself, it sounds to me like it's not just the aid, but you also need a helping hand to navigate this system to get the aid.
2: We don't know where to go. You know, if it wasn't for WhatsApp, they have like a WhatsApp just texting us on a daily basis telling us where to go, where to turn to, how to get funding, how to reach out we really wouldn't know where to go. So,
0: what's that organization?
2: um, WECO is a uh, a community-based organization. We need help to keep our doors open. We need help to provide or pay our employees. Yes, there's PPP, but is it enough, really, when people need to eat every day, when there's children out there that have to stay home? Like, as a mother myself, like, do I stay home or do I go to work? Do I stay home and help my child or care for my child? Or do I go to work, risk myself, getting a disease that might terminate me you know like we just don't know where to go some of us are not even accepted by these agencies we're denied where we have to reapply and reapply and we not like there's a lot of individuals that got money that don't even have businesses but us we're trying knocking at your door day to day and we're still getting denied
0: and the foot traffic as we see here on jerome and burnside avenues is not what it was pre-pandemic so i'm sure that affects your business too
2: i mean the traffic Traffic in general has decreased. Everybody is staying home. Everybody wants to survive, want to move through this. Like, let's say if you take away business income, how can the economy continue? Like, there's nowhere to turn to. And we have to get vaccinated, right? Right. So it's just like, I don't know. It's a lot
0: to think about as a small business owner. So then what's your outlook for the future as you're still struggling to survive?
2: Prayer. Prayer that's all we just have to pray and help and hope this turns around quickly
1: you go to this neighborhood and you find a lot of things you find you know the market you have you know that's good restaurant you take the number four train and then 10 minutes you are downtown okay that's you know that's the kind of thing that we love about our community and the train
0: passing overhead right now (laughs) Emblematic of the economic activity that continues here.
1: We are simulated that it's, it's already part of us. Uh, my name is Ubaldo Santos. I'm the president of the Merchant Association BJT here at uh, Burnside Avenue, Jerome, and Tremont Avenue. I'm the owner of the Easy Vision Brokerage, which is a uh, uh, business that has been opened here for 35 years. It's a family business. Uh, we work very diligently with uh, taxi drivers. This is the main thing that we do. And we, you know, very happy to work with the, comu- the community.
0: So you've been a fixture in the landscape here on Jerome and Burnside Avenues for more than a quarter of a century. So you've, you really have
1: your finger on the pulse of
0: what goes on here.
1: Well, uh, let me tell you, I'm very proud of the community. I, was, uh, I, was, I raised my two children here it's a family business, and when we came here in 1985, this uh, most of the area was uh, the building was closed, and we came and we said because we have it, we have a goal. We had, you know, we had to raise our two children at the time, and this is my community. We've been, you know, we're very proud of what we've been doing, and we keep on doing it. This community is very resilient, you know. It's, uh, we work together here uh, in this neighborhood and people they have faith although you know we had difficulty a lot of difficulty Uh, the pandemic you know was not you know something likely that we took lightly we've been helping the businesses uh, you know um, when they were looted we worked with them you know to raise money Mm -hmm. to help them to fix to fix their business and you see, the community is coming back. We keep on doing because this is, we hoping what the, you know, that this community will flourish one day. It is not easy, uh, but we are, com- you know, confident that we will, you know, will leave a, you know, much better community. The Bronx
0: has a certain reputation, and and many people say it's not warranted. Right, a lot of people have created this narrative about the Bronx through movies and television shows. But the reality is the Bronx is a collection of a lot of great neighborhoods that are home to a lot of really hard working people just trying to make it in this really difficult city. In this community, what does that mean? What is it like for the folks who live in this community?
1: Well, it's the, yes, those, uh, you know, remember, 1975 when, you know, the Bronx was burning and uh, I remember, although it was bad recently when we had the, you know, the looting here, the pandemic. I remember in the Black House, 1977, the Burnstead Avenue here, it was totally destroyed. And, you know, at that time we were living in the community here Mm -hmm. and the community came back. And sometimes I will say stronger, because I use the word resilient again, because this is the community. When you had community, mostly immigrant community, uh, that you have people from Africa, people from the Dominican Republic, and you know, for the Caribbean, they want to do the best, and they want to do the best for the children, not only for the children here, but also to the family that you left behind, and that is, you know, push you to say. I had to do better. One of the things
0: that you said caught my ear. This is the neighborhood that contributed to that reputation. The Bronx is burning, right? The Bronx is burning.
1: Yes. So <laughs> you've been through a lot in this neighborhood. Yeah. Yes. You know, as a matter of fact, when we opened the business, uh, all those buildings on Davidson Avenue, they were boarded. Like you know, the, we had this, you know, this one here now. Imagine that you. I used to, uh, you know, go downtown to work. And then you will pass Yankee Stadium and you don't see nobody getting off in Yankee Stadium on those days. You know, now you go and then, you know, you, you see the train stop on 161st and the whole train is empty because, you know, people go see the game. Before the pandemic,
0: what was it like here for the business owners? Was, was it a good time to be a business owner here?
1: Well, it was, uh, you know, it's always a tough, you know, for small businesses, it's always tough. Well, right. then the difference, the difference before the pandemic, you see the street was totally packed. You know, it was hard, you know, because a lot of people passing by. It is not happening, but, you know, slowly it's coming back. But, the, you know, before the pandemic, yes, we, as was a lot of people passing by. There was on, a lot of
0: commerce. The, the stores depend on the foot traffic. I'm talking to you today right here on on what is one of the most important intersections for commerce in the Bronx, and there's not many people out on the sidewalk. No, that's that's true. So what has that impact been like for the small business owners over the course of more than a year through this pandemic, losing all of
1: that foot traffic? Well, that's been translated to that people are behind on the rent, okay? Uh, because they probably having 25, 30% of the business, that they used to have before the pandemic, because you know you you know you had the clientele, but that clientele is maybe they don't have the resources to come into the beauty salon to come to the restaurant. There's an it's an icon here the the restaurant. It's closed. It's been closed for a while. We need institution. The financial institution. We don't have a financial institution. Luckily Chase is coming back, but we've been being without a bank for the longest here more than you know more than a year what kind of psychological impact did that have on people here for their banks to close in the middle of an economic crisis yeah it was we fought it we fought it we talked with them you know with the ceo and we talked with the old with chase as well but then you know as you know they made the decision that you know the corporate is a corporation it's a big corporation Did that send a message to
0: the people who live here to see the big banks shutting down in the middle of a pandemic?
1: Well, it did, it did. But once again, once again, what can you do when you're fighting a bigger monster as the pandemic at the time, you know? And then we did, the association, we got together with the, you know, with all the city agency, but they was not available because they said that they had made a decision. So
0: one more impediment to maintaining a viable economic ecosystem here, losing a bank, I mean, so you were talking about business owners being far behind on their rent. What's that like for these small business owners dealing with landlords? How far behind is the typical business owner?
1: Well, you know, as I can, you know, according to the association, the record that we had the association with that, over 50% of the people here are behind the rent. And not a small business, you know, you're working hard, and then to have the the landlord, which is one of you supposed to be your partner, and they back constantly calling you and telling you, demanding that, you know, the rent, it's, it's put so much pressure to do the business itself because, you know, you had to pay the rent. You had to pay the electricity and you had to, you know, all, all that and then to keep the business up and it's really, really hard. During the course of this pandemic, we've seen
0: multiple pieces of legislation passed that contained aid for business owners of varying size. We saw a $1.9 trillion aid package that resulted in New York State being promised $12 billion, New York City being promised $6 billion. Are you seeing any of that reflected in aid coming to you and your business owners here?
1: No, definitely. That is, that's the, you know, that's the thing. And that's why we're here today. They had to pass this bill, you know, to alleviate, you know, these people that are behind on on the rent, but also, when you're talking about that kind of money, that amount of money, and then we don't, we don't see any coming to our neighborhood. And then, you know, basically, what we, you know, where, but then that's what we also ask our elected officials that they had they're representing at in Washington, they're representing us in Albany, and they represent that in the city hall. They had, you know, you had to have, the resources has to come to us a lot of people small business they are sole proprietors they are you know independent contractors and they don't have you know ways to have the book the book you know in order and then when they go to apply no institution no financial institution want to hear from them
0: they don't have the expertise they don't have the paperwork to show here's my cash flow here's how much money i make and therefore I need this amount of money in aid, right? Right,
1: because what, what it was happening is that they had to, whatever they made yesterday, they had to rush to the bank to make a deposit. If you're running a mom and pop operation, you don't, you may not be sophisticated and, and have all that paperwork
0: that you need, is what you're saying.
1: It's not, it's not because, you know, imagine a barber, you know, having a <laughs> saying that I have an accountant I had to do a you know balance sheet, I had to you know profits and loss. That kind of thing does an assistance a small business. So you've seen this neighborhood have so many ups and downs and
0: this is certainly the most difficult time that Jerome Avenue and
1: the business owners have faced probably since the seventies. The seventies, right? The '70s, yeah, as a matter of fact the 70s, you know yes. nineteen seventy seven when the you know the, the whole area was you know totally destroyed the, and yeah. the blackout. So then what's
0: your outlook for the future, knowing that this is the toughest situation
1: you and your fellow small business owners have faced here? Well, I haven't seen it all, but I'm I'm a, I want to be positive about, you know, the community, uh, you know, and then when you work with people that have given their life to this community, you have to be hopeful. We hoping what the you know that this community will flourish one day. It is not easy, uh, but we are, com- you know, confident that we will, you know, will live a, you know, much better community. I'm hopeful that better thing will come.
0: Retail business owners in this part of the Bronx said the only way they can make it is if they get some sort of rent relief. They were pushing lawmakers to pass a rescue plan that would enable business owners to pay either 30% of their monthly revenue or 20% of their rent to landlords with direct aid to property owners to make up the difference. While the future for retail workers hanged in the balance, people who worked in the sex industry were facing an even less certain future. In the next episode of New York Gritty.
4: I work on OnlyFans now, but before the pandemic, I was primarily a babysitter. During the pandemic, a lot of people were lonely and I was profiting very much so because I do love interacting with my fans. Even before COVID,
2: sex workers already were facing so many challenges. COVID really was just another sort of wave that
1: decimated people's income.
0: Follow New York Gritty on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Check out the website for more on the city's recovery from the pandemic, nygritty.com, and send me an email if you have a story about how you're getting by during this tough time, steve at nygritty.com. Follow New York Gritty on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for details on upcoming episodes and more information about the impact of the pandemic here.
3: I'm Steve Kastenbaum.